I cannot tell you how many times social media has ruined a movie for me. Has that ever happened to any of you? No, you don't know what I'm talking about. That's good. You know, you're looking forward to a long-anticipated movie. I don't know what it is. Maybe the latest Marvel movie, right? And you're a couple of days late seeing said movie in the theaters. You're waiting around, and you make the fatal mistake. You pick up your smartphone, and you begin to scroll to the end of the internet. Well, only to find, just a few moments later, you stumble upon someone's thoughtless post with the dreaded movie, and say it out, spoiler, right? A movie spoiler. Has anyone ever had this happen to you before? Someone ruined the movie for you. It's infuriating, isn't it? We can all relate. We do not like spoilers. Why? Why? Because a spoiler does this. Knowing the end of the story, knowing how the story ends, affects the way you experience the rest of the story. Would you all agree with that? Yes. Once you know how it ends, everything you experience in the narrative is now viewed through the lens of the end. Like, when you know how a story concludes, you're not as thrown off by the plot twists. You won't be as concerned when it looks like evil is about to triumph. You might even have hope when the situation seems hopeless. You know, come to think of it, maybe spoilers aren't that bad after all. So what if I told you that God has given you a spoiler for your life? And it acts in the same way for you. Today, we're going to spend some time with what I consider to be one of the greatest spoilers in the entire Bible. So I guess now's the time to announce spoiler alert on this message. But please don't tune out. I invite you to listen intently. I invite you to receive these words of promise, sure words that you can take to the bank. You know how the story is going to end. We're going to spend some time today with a vision given to a prophetic, exiled Jewish man named Daniel. And in these three short verses, we're going to catch a spoiler to end all spoilers about what awaits all of us in the end. Our Old Testament passage today is written by the prophet Daniel. Some of you may be familiar with Daniel, others of you not so much, so I'll give you a little bit of backstory to who Daniel is. Daniel was taken into captivity as the southern kingdom of Judah fell to none other than the great nation of Babylon. The Babylonian empire had swept across the land. It was a brutal pagan nation. So he was yanked out of his home, taken many, many miles away, and forced into a culture and a world that was drastically different than what God's will would be for his life. 
His life hadn't been easy, but he had seen God move time and time again in little and big ways. So Daniel is about 85 years old at the time that he pins these words we will read today. He's likely just spent the night in a lion's den for refusing to stop praying to the one true God. Many of his fellow Jews had likely just left and returned to Israel at the direction of the king to start the process of resettling Jerusalem, rebuilding it. But Daniel, he remained in Babylon. We don't know why, but I, I imagine he felt maybe far too old to make the journey. So the reality for Daniel is this, and I want you to put yourself in his place. His temple still lays in ruins. His capital has been ravaged and stood empty and vulnerable. And his people are living as unhappy captives. And it's to these people, it's to these people in the middle of trial, in a world that seems hopeless, that God's messenger gives Daniel this powerful vision that what awaits all people at the end. It's a spoiler, my friends, of epic proportions. So Daniel writes these words, words that are spoken to him by God's messenger. And there are actually some scholars who believe that this messenger is none other than the pre-incarnate son of God himself giving these words to Daniel. I want you to let that blow your mind today, okay? The son of God has always been. From the beginning of time, we know that through him all things were made. So it's possible that this is none other than the pre-incarnate Son of God come to Daniel in a vision to deliver these glorious words, this spoiler alert. I tend to lean this way. <laughs> this would be so powerful. I want you to picture it. The eternal Son of God who's always been, before he's been born of the Virgin Mary in human flesh, is speaking these words in a vision to Daniel. And after revealing specific historical events in the chapters before. Hardships and sufferings that will affect God's people in the upcoming centuries. The Son of God sets His vision on something much farther in the future. To the very end of the world as we know it. In this way, my friends, these holy words that speak not just to Daniel, they speak to us today. Daniel writes this, these words given him by the messenger. Daniel 12, 1 through 3 says, At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. This is the archangel Michael, defender of God's people throughout the ages. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, 
others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I want to let this text sweep over us and now pick it apart verse by verse. Did you hear what he just said? He starts off with what we might not consider to be very good news. There's going to be great distress. There's going to be great hardship. The world is going to seem like it's crashing down all around you. It will never have seemed so bad. But, but hold on. This isn't the end. You will be delivered. And in our gospel lesson today, I like to think this, this same Jesus now in human flesh, conveys something very similar to his disciples posing a question on the hill outside the city overlooking the temple. He says, many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars, rumors of wars, listen to his words, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. Instead of encouraging people to try to nail down exactly when Jesus is going to return, which we all have a propensity to try to do, right? We love it if Jesus just gave us a step-by-step -step list of events to put into place so we know when he's going to return. Let me show you what Jesus is getting at here. We know that in those immediate years following Jesus' crucifixion, those initial years after the resurrection, there were people that came claiming to be the Messiah. There were wars and rumors of wars. Nation rose against nation. There were various natural disasters. There were horrible famines, even one that affected everyone in Jerusalem. All of these things Jesus just listed took place immediately following Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. The truth is this, friends. We're living in the end times now. We have been since Jesus rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. All of these things, they happened in the first century. They will continue with greater and greater intensity throughout time. But I want you to listen to Jesus' words. Do not be alarmed. Do not be anxious. Do not be alarmed. These things are not the end. Essentially, friends, Jesus is saying that he could return at any moment. No one will ever know when that is. And before that day, things are not going to get better around here. So, friends, we're living in the end times now. These fancy buildings, this society that we have constructed, newsflash, all of it will be gone. But don't be alarmed. How in the world are we not to be alarmed? It's hard enough when we turn on the news and see the staggering death tolls from a still-raging pandemic. 
when we see political and social unrest all around us, and it seems like it is ramping up and up and up, when we see hatred and violence and natural disaster. But friends, if this was all there was, if this is all there was, there would be so much to fear. But Jesus' words to Daniel, his words in Mark, they offer us this glimpse at the end that gives us hope in the midst of trying circumstances. And Daniel, he tells us that all whose names are written in the book of life will be delivered. Then he reveals something truly wonderful, something truly awe-inspiring. It's going to be a tough one for us, but I want you to go there with me. Multitude who sleep in the dust on the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life and others to everlasting shame and contempt. The truth revealed here is there is a bodily resurrection awaiting everyone. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. There is a bodily resurrection awaiting everyone. Friends, this means everyone, believers and unbelievers, will be resurrected. The scriptures point to this several times throughout, and the testimony is made most clear here and then later developed in the Gospels and in the Epistles. See, when we die, our soul and our body are separated. If we die in the faith, our soul goes to be with Jesus in that moment. While our body, it remains here, in the ground. This isn't the end of the story. For many of us, our, our view of heaven... Our view of eternity is floating around playing guitars on the clouds or harps and lyres. I don't know what your instrument of choice is. Maybe you're a drum set player. I don't know, right? But many of us think about it this way. But this is not the picture that Scripture reveals. There, there is a moment we go to be with Jesus as our body is here and our soul is with him. But this is a time waiting something greater. And it's crazy that something could be greater <laughs> than spending time one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. But friends, the glorious truth revealed is this. Jesus is returning at the end of all things. And when he does, he will raise up everyone. Everyone will be raised from the dead. This is a physical resurrection for everyone, and this will be a glorious name for every person whose name is written in the book of life. But for those who have rejected this gift, they are still under condemnation and shame that their sin has brought them. They will be bodily resurrected unto eternal shame and condemnation. It's not a popular topic to talk about these days, but it's one we must be aware of. They will be bodily resurrected into this. It's a painful but true reality. 
For those who like to dismiss hell as some sort of old world superstition, here it is in your text, clear as day. The reality is clear. Here, for those who have had faith in Jesus, those who have received the gift of faith as the Holy Spirit has beckoned your heart to trust in Jesus as your true salvation, your only hope in the world, as you have been led to cling to Jesus, your name was written down in the book of life. Amen? Good news for us. Good news for us. We know that as God places his name on us in the waters of baptism, we are given the gift of faith. We know as the word is opened and preached and spoken to us, the spirit beckons us into a relationship with God. It's as if he is extending a gift to you to receive or to reject. The Apostle Paul writes about this concerning the gifts given in baptism. Romans 6, 5 says this, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in what? In a resurrection like his. Those whose sin is covered by Jesus' one-time final sacrifice on the cross will be given a new and perfect sinless body. And the words we just sang in that last song, glory, my friends, awaits all of God's redeemed. Wow, you will be with Jesus. You will be with all others who have gone on in the faith for all eternity in the new heavens and new earth that God is preparing for you in this moment. This means you know how the story ends. It's certain. Because in your baptisms, through the faith given you, your sinful self has died with Christ on the cross. All that is perishing has perished, and you will rise with him on the last day. Through the lens of this spoiler, all painful and scary things, they start to seem a little less so. Not even death, our greatest enemy, one that seems so final here on this earth, that's not the end. Death is not the end of the story according to Daniel. Death is not the end of the story according to Jesus. Death is not the end of the story according to the testimony of the apostles and the epistles. The question remains, if we know this certain truth, why do we often live as though we don't know the end of the story? I'm trying to think of people's reactions. Even God-fearing people that I know, even myself, when things seem like they're starting to fall down all around you, we're quick to become quarrelsome and divisive. We're crippled by anxiety. When society seems to be shaky, we buy into the frenzy of hatred being spewed by politicians or look for some semblance of security and the solace of conspiracy theories on social media. When our way of life is threatened, we act as though it is the very end of the world. No, it's not. Don't be alarmed. 
If this is you today, I invite you to return to the cross where your sin went to die. It went there to die with Jesus. And leave your fear there. Repent of it. And receive Jesus' very words of forgiveness. Then rise up. Lift your head, knowing that in Jesus you've been given new life now. A peace that passes all human understanding now, which will be fully realized when Jesus returns. Walk in the truth of the ancient words of your faith. Words we just let rattle off our tongues when we say them in the Apostles' Creed, but they're powerful for us today. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. You're right. You do. We are forgiven. Each and every day, his mercies are new. Walk in that reality. I believe in the resurrection of the body. Right. We just talked about it. A day is coming when death will be undone and I will receive a glorious, sin-free body. And finally, I believe in the life everlasting. Amen. I want to close with two implications for you to walk out of here with today. Knowing all of this, seeing how the story ends. Knowing how it ends keeps us from panic in the present. Knowing how it ends keeps us from panic in the present. Our faith is grounded in the sure event of Jesus' death and resurrection. We know that just as we have been united to his death and resurrection, surely we will rise again. It's a truth you can take to the bank. We know how the story ends for all those who are in Jesus, right? This gives us a certain hope, a hope for our future, which in turn gives us confidence in the midst of troubled situations in our present. That though we suffer now, we can live life to the fullest each and every single day. In spite of difficulty, we know that something better is coming in the future, and so we can enjoy life in the present with the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the promise is he is living in each of you now. You can joyfully cast fear aside. See through, seen through the lens of the most epic spoiler of all, a diagnosis, a loss of status, a change in political climate, all seem rather small and insignificant. Knowing how it ends keeps us from panic in the present. And lastly, knowing how it ends affects the way we treat each other today. I want you to think about that. C.S. Lewis once wrote this remarkable quote. This is what he said. Remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. There are no ordinary people. 
if we start to see every single person as an eternal being headed to one of two destinations bodily for eternity, we should hear the encouragement of Daniel from his third verse. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts this in his paraphrase, the message. Those who put others on the right path to life will glow like stars forever. Put rather bluntly, are you helping people toward an eternity with God or an eternity apart from him? See, I believe that knowing how your story ends frees you from fear so you can boldly and fearlessly love and serve your neighbor. You can share the good news of Jesus with them. In so doing, you could be the very bright, shining star through whom the Spirit leads them to faith in Jesus. And you, my friend, will alter the trajectory of their lives for eternity. Who has God placed in your life that you can share eternity with? Who has God placed in your life that you can share this eternity-altering message of Jesus with? And I want you to think about that person or persons right now. Pray that the Spirit would give that person a place in your mind. Think about them. Think about where they will be for eternity. Think about where you want them to be. As you leave here today, knowing how the story ends, pray about how you might be the way that the Holy Spirit leads them to hear about what Jesus has done for them their lives forever will be changed. Amen.